Awesome. Stay right here, Marshall. What's up, Victory? How are we doing, everybody? Y'all doing good? I just want to take a moment real quick and honor this young man and his beautiful family. A lot of times you don't see what people do behind the scenes. And Marshall, along with a whole bunch of people underneath, we call it the cave, the dungeon down there, making all this stuff work. Marshall's over here every week for two and a half years, just doing all the stuff, the sound for all of our musicians, for everybody, helping me out, making me look good uh, for sure. Come on, let's thank So uh, we just want to say thank you, Marshall. Today's his last day serving here, not in our church, but he's going to give more time to his family. So Marshall, we want to say thank you from everybody here. We love you. You the man. <laughs> awesome. Love you, man. Hey, Calvin and, and uh, Levin say they love you too. So hey, if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. We just love to celebrate people around here. We are a big family. Somebody say Family. And I got to tell you, family, I had the honor last week to speak at Norcross, but I missed my VHM family. So it's good to be back with you guys. Pastor Johnson knows this series is near and dear to our hearts. And so he asked me to, to open it up. And it was a huge honor for We Are Victory, the big Victory family. Uh, but there's no place like home. Come on. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Amen. Amen. Hey, so we're going to dive right in because as Pastor Jared said, today is Baptism Sunday. So you picked a great day to be in the house of the Lord. And we're going to be baptizing a whole bunch of people right after this. So we're going to, we're going to dive right into this message and just go a little deeper. Somebody say deeper. And so also, I just want to say, though, uh, we've got people that are registered. I think we had 50, 60 people registered, and we already baptized a big group of people, adults and children uh, after the nine. But maybe you're here today, and like the video, those were some of our online audience. Maybe you're here today, and you've never been water baptized, or maybe like the young lady, you were sprinkled or baptized a little kid, and you didn't really know what was going on, but you know what's going on now, and you want to make that commitment. We've got you covered down to underwear around here, people. <laughs> So we've got towels, clothes, underwear, everything you need. So you're like, hey, I, I don't have everything. No excuses, we got you covered. So all good. So we're gonna dive right in. I'm gonna pray. We're in the series, Open Doors. Somebody say, Open Doors. And we're gonna go a little deeper today, part two. Last week, I answered the question, who is my neighbor? Or I tried my best to answer that question. And then today, we're gonna answer another question, how do I neighbor? So if you're taking notes, how do I neighbor? How do I neighbor? How do we do this? Somebody say how. How do we do this? Well, the Holy Spirit knows exactly how we're going to lean into him. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're already here. Your presence is beautiful. We were singing. We were celebrating. Lord God, we just can't say thank you enough. As we dive into your word, Holy Spirit, would you help me speak to these beautiful people and those who are watching us online? Thank you, Lord, for all those who have been baptized, about to get baptized, that public proclamation, that declaration that I belong to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So we celebrate with all of our family members who are getting baptized today. So now, Lord, for these few moments, speak to us. Come on, tell him right now, speak to me, Lord. We open our ears to hear, eyes to see what your spirit is saying to us right now, today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Well, if I was to sum this whole thing up, 
what we're calling gospel neighboring. We're, just, we're not talking about just you and I being good neighbors. We're talking about being gospel neighbors. Somebody say gospel. Come on, say it like there's soul in you. Gospel. There you are. There you are. Talking about being gospel neighbors, loving people the way Jesus loves us, being his hands and feet. Amen. In our everyday lives, not just in here. Hey, Bob. Hey, Joan. How you doing? You know, not just right here, but in moving past shallow pleasantries and forming real relationships, friendships with our neighbors. And our neighbors are not just those who live around us. Yes, that's where it starts. But neighbors, if I was to sum it up, neighbors equals nearest. Will you say that with me? Neighbors equals nearest. And so we gotta recognize and understand that, yes, the people who live around you, that's where it starts. Your apartment complex, your townhome, your house, wherever you live, those people, those are your neighbors, yes, but also your coworkers. The people that you see on your daily traffic patterns, the, the, the cashier at the grocery store that you always visit, the, the cafe barista, I, I, the gym person, all, whoever the people are in your life and in my life that we see on a regular pattern, plus the strangers that God puts in our path. Come on, God, they may be a stranger to us, we don't know them, but God knows them. God knows every single person, and so he puts that stranger to us in our path so we can show them Jesus. And so we just kind of been diving into this whole thing of gospel, gospel neighboring and neighbor equals nearest. So today, as I said, we're gonna dive into this, how do I neighbor? And I wanna kind of start off with a story, a book that was given to me and Lisa years ago. And, and I just wanna kind of say this. I said this last week, but I wanna touch on it again. That this has been a journey that God has had me and Lisa and my family on for many years. And as I confessed last week, if you didn't see this, uh, as I confessed in the message last week, we did not do this well for a long time. And there's no excuse for it. I'm speaking for me, okay? Uh, I was, I was, Lisa and I were busy working for the church and doing church things, but we didn't know the people really well at all, uh, the people who lived around us. And we were just running, coming and going and doing things and seeing great things in church and God blessing all of it. But at the same time, I was missing the people right out front right out my front door. And so, that's right. And so, <laughs> and so the Lord began breaking our heart. It's a journey. Somebody say journey. Come on, he, we're on this journey called life. And if you're submitted to him, and you gotta hear this, please lean into this point. God breaks your heart to enlarge your heart. A lot of people think like, I guess my heart stays broken because you hear that prayer, God break my heart for the things that break yours. That's a great prayer to pray. Uh, but the fact of the matter is he doesn't leave your heart broken. He breaks your heart to rebuild your heart, to enlarge your heart. It's, I'll give you the example. It's kind of like the military. All right, thank God for our military. If you're in the military, come on, can we thank our military men and women? As a youth pastor for years, I had so many young people that went in the military and they would come back different people. And the military has this uh, kind of internal slogan that they literally tear you down to build you back up. And, and these, these men and women that would come back and visit us at church who had gone off to the military for a year or whatever, boot camp, you name it, they were different people. Like they were just different people. And, and they, were, they, were, they were torn down to be built back up. And I can't tell you, when God breaks your heart, he breaks your heart, rebuilds it, and enlarges it. And so on this journey that we've been on with people outside the walls of our church, God has broke our heart and enlarged our heart. Come on, amen. Isn't that what we want? 
that our heart would be enlarged. And what does your heart get enlarged for? Number one, more of him. And number two, people. It's all summed up, love God, love people. And so if God's breaking your heart, he's gonna enlarge your heart and it's always for more of him. Somebody say more. It's always for more of him and it's for people because Jesus' heart bleeds for people, all people, bleeds for people. And, and so a friend of ours on this journey gave me this incredible book. And if I'm a reader, and if you're a reader, I cannot recommend this book enough. It's called The Art of Neighboring. It was given to us years ago. And I think I literally wept through every chapter as God was just breaking my heart and I was so convicted about things. And it's a, it's a co-author, two, two men wrote the book. And one of the authors tells the stories of how God began the journey of breaking his heart for his neighbors. Remember, neighbor equals nearest, not just those who live around you. And he tells the story that he was at a, um, a city official kind of thing. There was 20 lead pastors from the Denver area. He was one of the 20. And they were with city officials, including the mayor. This was years ago. And uh, they were meeting with these city officials to ask them, how, how can we as the church, capital C, better serve the, the Denver Metroplex? And they had all kind of ideas, and the mayor spoke about all these kind of things. But there was one statement the mayor made, and I'm going to read that statement to you. That was the beginning of the journey that actually came, this book came about, but also made him and his wife and his family and their church become a gospel neighboring church. Thinking just outside, not just about what's in the room, but who's not in the room the community out there, a lost and dying world that without Jesus is gonna go to hell. And so the mayor made this statement, and I want you to hear this statement. And he said this, and I don't know if the mayor was a Christian or not, I don't know the context of that, but this was the statement that shook him, and it, and it shook me the first time I read it. The mayor said this, from the city's perspective, from the city's perspective, there isn't a noticeable difference in how Christians and non-Christians neighbor in our communities. I want, I, want you, I want to let that sit there for a moment. Mayor said, from the city's perspective, there isn't a noticeable difference in how Christians and non-Christians neighbor in our communities. Can I just tell you, VHM, can I tell those who are watching online today, there should be a major difference from Christians that are living in the streets and neighborhoods and wherever we're at. There should be a big difference. People should know, and we don't have to blow a horn and say, I'm a Christian. We don't have to do that at all. They see it by the way we live our lives. And, and this is something I've said for years right here, on, right here on the screen. Christians should be the best neighbors on the street. And the church, capital C, should be the best neighbor in our local communities. I'll say that again. Christians should be the best neighbors on the street. And the church, somebody say the church. The church, capital C, should be the best neighbor in its local community. We, we've got to understand the, the, the reality of where we're at in the world, and God has called us to be neighbors. I want you to think about this. For some of you to be tonight, because some of you work the night shift. For the majority in the room, it's tomorrow morning. You're heading to work. And you are, if you're like many of us, you got coffee in hand and you're running around the place trying to find your keys. Like, dear Lord, where are those keys? And uh, if you're like me, uh, my keys have legs and they're called kids, all right? And, and so, uh, you know, you're, you're, you got coffee in hand and, and you bust out the door, you find your keys and you get in the car and you crank it and you take off. And if you live in an apartment complex, you're, you're pulling out of that complex and you, sometimes, unless you live right there at the gate, you know, you pass building A, building B, building C, and then you're out. 
If you live in a neighborhood, like, like us, we live at the end of a cul-de-sac. You pass all these houses, house after house after house. But I wanna remind you today, church, we've gotta recognize and understand this is huge. Behind every door, somebody say door. Behind every door is a person. Behind every apartment door, there's a person there. There's people there. There's possibly a family there. Behind every door is a person. And inside every person is a story. Behind every door is a person. And behind every person, there's a story. Somebody say story. And I just want to encourage you today. I just feel like I need to say this to somebody in the room. Your story is not over just because maybe you messed up. God is still writing your story. And if you're like me with my story, he's rewriting your story. He can take the pain of the past. He can take the, the mistakes and he can take the mess. And he's really good of, of creating beauty out of ashes. Come on, somebody. That's our God. He's really good at taking the ashes and the rubble and rebuilding and recreating something beautiful. And he's still writing your story. And so to the oldest in the room, to the youngest in the room, God is writing our story. And it's not over until he takes us home. Amen? And so the, the thing about story, behind every person there's a story. I'm going to share the story of a neighbor that God used to break my heart in our lives. He's used many people to break our hearts in our lives. And, and Randy Frizee says this. Look right here on the screen. He says, the practice of neighboring creates incredible opportunities for us as believers to connect. Somebody say connect. To connect our story to the stories of our neighbors and ultimately to God's story. I want you to hear that again. The practice of neighboring creates incredible opportunities for us. Somebody say he's talking to me. All right, for us as believers to connect our story to the stories of our neighbors and ultimately to God's story. Amen? So speaking of stories, I want you to look at Luke 10. Go over to Luke 10. Y'all with me, 11 a.m.? All right, all right. Luke 10, we're gonna, we kind of scratched the surface last week. We're gonna dive a little deeper in today to this story. If you're like me, if you're a church kid, grew up in church, you've, you've heard this story a million times, but may the Holy Spirit give us fresh eyes to look on this and, and maybe see something new today, amen? So the setting is Jesus has uh, a gentleman approach him who is a, uh, a religious uh, expert in law, Jewish law and in the law. And so he approaches Jesus not to really know anything. He's coming to trap Jesus with words. He's trying to test Jesus, the scriptures say. And he asks him a question about eternal life, which sounds like a great question, but it's not sincere. And so that just kind of gives us the backdrop here. Look at verse, look down at verse 26. Again, we, we touched on this last week. Let's dive a little deeper today. Verse 26, Luke chapter 10 says, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor, come on, save me, and love your neighbor as your, Woo, we could park right there. Come on, let's be honest, we love ourselves a lot. You need something, you'll get it, you're hurting, you'll get the help. He's saying to love our neighbors as ourselves. Verse 28, right, Jesus said. You, you, you said it right, that's good, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. Verse 29, 
The man wanting to justify his actions, he asked Jesus another question. I can hear the sarcasm in his voice. So who, who is my neighbor? By the way, let me just say this. Anytime Jesus throws questions back at you with a story, and you can see it many times in the gospel, you're going down. All right. <laughs> just read the gospels. Anytime he throws out a question back at you and then a story's to come, oh, you better get ready. You better get ready. See, Jesus loves this man. And this man's not sincere, but Jesus is trying to get to the heart. And so he tells him a story like only Jesus can. And he says in verse 30, look at together. Jesus replies with a story. You heard that language. Behind every person's a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. So he's using real location, real cities. And he was attacked by bandits. And they stripped him of his cloths, clothes, beat him up. And I want you to read this with me. And left him half dead beside the road. Can we say it again? And left him half beside the road. Let me just, I'll give a quick commentary to this as we dive a little deeper. I wonder how many people today, not just in this room, but how many people in our proximity, come on, neighbors equals nearest, how many people feel beat up and half dead in this world? They're on the road that we call life, the journey we call life. They feel like they've been chewed up, spit out, beat up, beat down, and half dead. And can I remind you that we are the church of the living God. Jesus is alive and well, and his spirit, if you're a follower in the room and you're a believer in the room, his spirit lives in me and is on me, and God has called us to be life givers. We don't take, we give. We give life. You're, all we are is a vessel. Right now, I'm a vessel for the Lord. You're a vessel. When you go out these doors, you are a vessel. Monday through Saturday, you're a vessel. Sunday afternoon, wherever you're going, you're a vessel, a conduit of life and light, and God wants us to give it away. And there are people, as I said, dying, and they feel half dead. Come on, Atlanta, they call Atlanta now like second Hollywood, right? There's all these, um, you know, just companies coming in, and they're all kind of filming locations, and uh, you know, everything going on. And, and what's, what's the, I'm not a big zombie guy, but what's the zombie, uh, the walking dead, right? Um, we got the walking dead, not zombies on a TV show, but we've got the walking dead right outside these doors and we have the answer and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. God's called us. And just like Jesus did with Lazarus, God wants to use you. They may still be alive. Lazarus was dead, dead, but these people are on the road of life and they feel half dead. They're walking around with no life in them, almost like a zombie. And you have the life to give away and his name is Jesus. Amen. This man was half dead on the road. And then it says, look down at verse 31. By chance, by chance, a priest comes along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and say these words with me, and passed him by. Verse 32, another clergy, a temple assistant, walks over and looked at him lying there. Somebody say looked. He looked at him lying there, but he also, say it with me, but he also passed by on the other side. Pause for just a second. You know, last week I talked about these two men being clergy, being like pastors of today. And the Lord, as I dove a little deeper this week in prayer about this, the Lord said, let's look at it as those men as being the church. Those men are, are you and I. How many people are we passing by every day? 
How many people like, like these two dudes, if we drill down these two guys, yes, they were, there was a priest and there was a temple assistant. Yes, they were the modern day pastors, I guess you could say. But the fact of the matter is these two dudes, somehow their hearts were cold enough and numb enough that the dude was half dead and it was pretty noticeable that he was beat up. And yet they, they look at him, one even stops, pauses and moves on, but they both kept going. I don't know if they were late for their appointment. I don't know what was going on. But let me tell you what, people are more important than our schedules. People are more important than our busy lives. And we gotta be a people, I said this last week, go watch the message if you didn't, we've gotta slow down. Or as I put last week, you gotta slow our roll. Hello, people. We gotta slow down. And I know we gotta get from point A to point B, but who does God have in the middle of that? Who does God have in the middle of our destination? And so we gotta recognize and understand that God wants to use us in all kinds of places and all kinds of times within our schedule and, and outside our schedule, amen? By the way, I've noticed this. It's really never convenient when you help someone. Have you noticed that? I, uh, ooh. Mmm, I'm gonna. It's, it's that moment that you have to like, okay. We have to check ourselves. People are more important. I, look, I'm, I'm on a beautiful team here and a beautiful team victory. And sometimes the Lord will just... We're, we're talking about business and we're talking about this and all this kind of stuff that we got to do, church stuff. And, and sometimes if I'm listening, I can be a little knucklehead sometimes. But sometimes the Lord would just say, hey, there's a person right there. Well, I mean, we're on the same team. We're doing kingdom work. I mean, we're good, right? There's a person there. And they're even more important than what you're talking about. Don't just get caught up so much in the everything that we miss the people that are right in front of us. Amen. And so who are the people, this isn't the question to me and to you, who are the people or how many people, I should say, are we passing by in our busy lives? And then finally bring us down, 33, then a despised Samaritan came along and the Lord showed me, that's actually me. He's the great Samaritan. He's the best neighbor of all. He's the ultimate good neighbor. And it's also supposed to really be the church. Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, somebody say Saul, he felt compassion for him. Remember, compassion always has action. It's not just the feels, it's compassion, action. I gotta help, I gotta alleviate this person's suffering. So going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and, and bandaged him, and then he put him on his donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Look at the intentionality and the kindness. The next, next day, he hands the innkeeper two coins, two silver coins, saying, take care of this man. Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I hear. I've heard this story since I was probably three or four years old, and can I tell you, I'm still blown away even today reading it to you, though I've been studying it all week, of this man's kindness, of his compassion, of his care, and his generosity. I mean, I'm just blown away, and, and I know it's a story that Jesus is using in the moment, but Jesus is saying, that's the way I want you to be. And church, I want to tell you, some people hear that and like, I don't, I don't have that type of finances or generosity. Can I tell you what? It's not about what's in your checking account. It's about what's in your heart. And what I've noticed through the years is as I give to the Lord, whatever it is in that moment to help somebody or whatever the situation may be, God will always take care of me. And, and I got to say this. 
This is coming to me right now. Just like the thing of inconvenience, you know, when God calls you to help somebody, it's never convenient. I've also noticed like, you know, well, hey, I, there's a lot of bills and all of a sudden God says, I want you to bless that person. God, do you see all the bills? And here's what I've noticed. When God says it, just obey it and watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do through you and then watch what he'll do for you. Somebody needs to hear this today. You can never outgive God. Never. And I'm not talking about just your finances, your life. He always gives back. He's just a good giver. He just keeps on giving. He's like the Energizer Bunny, just keeps on, keeps on. He just keeps on giving. That's the God we serve. Let's end this story right here. And then it says, um, now, verse 36, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus is getting straight to his heart. And then Jesus says, yes, now go and do the same. Amen? So here's what I wanna do in this last time together here in the message. I want you to really lean into this. We've gotta be a people that move. Somebody say move. We gotta move from the seats into our streets. We, we gotta move out of our comfort zone in, into a place that might be a little unfamiliar at first. It, we might not normally do it, but God, as we make the move physically, starting in prayer, as we make that move, you watch what God will do. God will never leave you hanging. You might, I'm gonna tell you a story in a moment where I was thoroughly embarrassed, but even if you get embarrassed when a good heart, God will always come behind it and bless it. He sees our heart. Somebody say my heart. And here's what I would tell all of us today. Maybe this is the thing that you should remember more than anything. It all starts in the place of prayer. For years, I didn't pray for my neighbors. Neighbors equals nearest. I didn't pray for them. And I'm telling you, once I got it, once I realized like, oh, it's, it's not just us four and no more. It's not just those in the building. It's God just had to, reveal, he had to break my heart on it and reveal this to me that it's everyone. It's everyone everybody I encounter. And it all starts in the place of prayer. I'll put it to you like this. It starts with prayer and it ends in prayer. And in the middle there, there's relationship. And so look at the right here on the screen. What great things, better yet, God opportunities might, might take place if we truly get to know our neighbors and they get to know us. Leave that up for a second. What great things, better yet, God opportunities might take place if we truly get to know our neighbors and they get to know us. I wanna tell you very quickly about my neighbor, Mark. Uh, Mark was a specimen of a man. Uh, he looked like, uh, he resembled Mr. Clean, if you know the old Mr. Clean guy. And I mean, he's 6'4", bald, muscle bound. He had muscles on top of muscles. Every time, I, actually him and his wife, they had full-time jobs, but they were part-time. I thought it was more like full-time, uh, part-time bodybuilders. So anytime I got around Mark, I'd be like this. I mean, I just like, oh my gosh, uh, I, I just feel like a peon right now, you know? And I mean, he would be in the backyard and, and I'd, I'd always be, we had a, you know, um, uh, a little swing set and trampoline in the backyard, you know, and and he'd be in the backyard mowing grass and working. He had a green thumb. He was just, I mean, my, I was like, what does this man not do? And everything he does is incredible. And I feel like really weak at the moment, you know, like, and, 
And he would always have his shirt off mowing grass. And so I'd, I'd walk in the back like, just best I could. Just, so, and we, had, we were a little elevated, remember? At least there, so they're, they're, the back of the yard was a little lower. And so I'd, I'd walk around as best my posture, the best, like, <clears throat> you know, just, just trying to. And uh, he'd always be in his garage with the door open, no matter how cold it was, like, <clears throat> and I'm walking through my neighborhood, I'm like, gosh. Are you addicted? What is the deal? You know, him and his wife, hey, Chris and Lisa, they come out the front door. Hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, you know. And started inviting them to church and everything else. And, and he got in the conversation, hey, what do you do? What do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. He immediately distanced himself from me. Found out later he had major church hurt from a child and had been in church for decades. And, uh, so I'm just, I'm just trying to get to know him. And, and like I said, he was a green thumb. He had beautiful flowers in his front yard. I mean, Lisa would go buy flowers on top of flowers just to kind of, you know, compete, you know, with our neighbor just to, to look good somehow. Because we, we were like, oh my gosh, you know. It's, and, uh, and, and so, you know, and we're trying to develop relationship with them. But from the moment I told him pastor, he distanced himself from me. And, and so I was trying my best to just to get to know him, to move past shallow pleasantries. And two embarrassing things happened to me that you will laugh at, and I laugh now, but it was very, very embarrassing at the time. And so I went over to him, I was like, hey, your yard looks unbelievable. Like, this is the yard that's gonna be in heaven one day, and look at mine. You know, like, there's dandelions and weeds, and how do you do it? And he told me all these things he does. I'm like, whoop, you know, went right over my head. And, and so... I said, can I get, you know, tell me what kind of fertilizer. I got the fertilizer he told me. I did everything he told me to do. I was there the next night. He was in his front yard. He saw me. I'm just pushing the, you know, all this stuff and just smiling, looking like I, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing right now, you know. <laughs> A week later, our grass was burned up. <laughs> I just did it the whole time, just like. Lisa's like, Are you, you're, it seems like you've been doing this for a while. I'm like, no, this is what he said to do. Get back in the house, you know. <laughs> He's out in the yard, you know, and uh, so I, I, and he comes over to me one day. He's like, hey man, what happened to your yard? I'm like, I have no, I had no idea. Some strangers went out there and did something that, you know, I was so embarrassed. And then this is what really got it. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done trying to get to know this guy. One day, I mean, he was in his, we came home from church late and, and he was in the front yard and, and uh, he was down in his bed, like in a little shovel and, and he was talking to the flowers. I thought, and, and so I'm trying, like, I gotta get in to know this guy. And so I, I just kinda like, so that's how you do it, right? You, you talk to the flowers, just being, you know, corny, quirky, whatever, just trying to get in. And he was like, uh, you know, just doing all this. Yeah, just kept talking like, he looked at me for a moment and then went you know, right back into his, his flower bed and doing all this and just kept talking. And I came over, cause again, he was a, he, a little bit of an intimidating man. So I just came over like, here's my line, here's his line of yard. He was right next to us. So, uh, hey, man, how do you make them? You just talk to the flowers. And he, if, if my glasses were his phone, he grabs his phone out of his bed. He's like, I'm on a phone call. <laughs> and in that moment, all the blood, I was like, I kid you not. Lisa saw when I walked through, I was like, oh my gosh. I am the worst failure. This is over. And I walked inside the door. Lisa was making lunch. The kids were running around. 
And I was like, that's it, I'm done. I, 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 I cannot connect with this man. He scares me to death, number one. Number two, I, I just embarrassed myself thoroughly. I told Lisa what I did. She's like, oh, Lord, Lord, my husband. And then she said, have you prayed for Mark? And I was like. And it just kind of came out. I was like, have you prayed for Mark? You know, it's just like. And finally, when I, my pride dropped off, I'm like, do you see what I'm doing? What am I, what am I doing? She, I was like, you know, honey, I haven't prayed for Mark once. And she just, she went back to her, you know, whatever she was doing. I think maybe you ought to do that. <laughs> and I did. I started praying for Mark. And as I did, I, I went back to my journal. And these were things that I'm a big journaler. It's the only way I can remember what God tells me. This was years ago, and he said this to me, do you realize I put Mark in your path so I could love him through you? He said, are you willing to take time to get to know Mark? And then this was the ouchie that hit me hard, part of the breaking and the rebuilding and the enlarging of my heart. He said, do you really care for Mark? And I had to admit like, God, I've just been trying to be a good neighbor. And as I began to pray for Mark, I started getting a burden. Come on, there's, there's good burdens and there's bad burdens. A godly burden. It was a weight on my heart. Not, a, not an impossible weight. Not the weight that the cast of the cares we need to give to Jesus. It was a heart cry burden that I wanted to see Mark come to the Lord. And so I began praying for Mark and praying for Mark and nothing happened. But I was praying a specific prayer. Lisa and I prayed and agreed together. Lord, let there be an opportunity that we can somehow, him and I can connect because we are two different people. And I'm tired of shallow pleasantries. I want to know my neighbor and I want him to know you. Several months went, I was praying, no difference. And then one night, uh, I saw water all in our backyard and all in his backyard because again, we were a little elevated over his backyard. And I ran out, he was already out there, and a drain pipe between our houses, our houses were very close, between our houses underground broke, and there was water going everywhere. And so he, he had all these shovels and everything. I'm just standing there looking at him, and anybody knows me, if I have anything in my hand, I'm probably going to break something. I'm that guy. Get a hammer. People have taken hammers away from me when I went to help with a service project. They're like, no, 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 Pastor, you just take that out of your hand right now. You just stand over here and pray for us, you know. And so, again, I walk away like, okay, I just, uh, you know. But uh, I went and got my shovel, and I just stood there with him, you know. <laughs> says, okay, it's, this is what you do, you know. <laughs> and we, he, we dug a hole. He did it all. And, guys, I don't, I, there's no words. Uh, all of a sudden, the, the beams of heaven didn't pour out on me. And he said, truly, you are a man of God. Nothing like that happened. Like, literally there was a bonding that took place with my sons, his son, and him and me working for hours, digging a trench to put a new pipe in. And I didn't even know what I was doing. He was just telling us what to do, and I was doing it. And something happened. And he began coming over days after. Lisa and the wife started connecting and sharing recipes. And we made him, we made him some really awesome. Lisa makes a really cool chocolate cake and made him a chocolate cake. And everybody's like, okay, I got to get her chocolate cake. So... And, uh, and she's like, I won't, you know, it just, it kept going and going. And, and I remember they invited us over right before we moved away. They invited us over to uh, their son's graduation. And we're in this place. And I mean, it's loud and everybody's drinking and, 
And he invited, and this, was, this won't be a big deal for you, but it was a big deal for me in that moment because of the pastor thing. He introduced us to every single person as he gave us a tour of the house. We never got invited into the house until this day. And so I'm like walking around with Lisa holding her hand. I'm like, can you believe this? And I, you know, walk around. Yeah, this is awesome. And every person he invited, he said, hey, this is our neighbor. And he's also a pastor down the road. And I was like, whoa. We moved away and I got a text. And, and you know, I'm here to tell you that there was never a prayer of salvation with me and Mark. I tried and tried and I just could not get that door to open. And can I remind you, some water, some sow, and some reap a harvest. And so we're all part of that. But he sent us a text and he, and he said this. He said, already miss you guys. Y'all were great neighbors. And man, that just, I'm like, Lord, use everything we did to get to his heart. I wanna give you two things in closing. Two things in closing about neighborly love. And actually, let me give you this quote because I cannot skip this. He says this, Tom Nelson, if we're going to embrace neighborly love, somebody say neighborly love. If we're gonna embrace neighborly love, we will have to take the initiative to move, somebody say move, to move out of the comfort zone of our cultural and geographical insularity and get to know our neighbors as people. Behind every door is a person. Behind every person is a story. As people who, like us, somebody say like us, have a unique, have a unique history, have felt the pain of heartache, harbor unfulfilled dreams, and possess underutilized talents and future aspirations. Why? Because they're people just like us. We gotta move, somebody say move. You're hearing that theme. We gotta move from observation to intentionality. We gotta move from just looking to really seeing people. So I wanna give you quickly two action items to help us move beyond the surface and really get to know our neighbors. And as you're getting ready to take notes, Pastor Mo from Victory Midtown said this on the phone to me and I wrote it down as fast as I could. He said, proximity gives us responsibility to go beyond the surface with our neighbors. Proximity gives us responsibility to go beyond the surface with our neighbors. Wherever you're at, be all there. And the people that are in your proximity, the people that are around you, the people who live around you, the people that you see in your everyday traffic patterns, they, you have been put in their path as an assignment. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to get to know our neighbors. So two action items if you're taking note. Number one, we're, we're just, the whole element of move. Number one, we must move from looking to seeing. We must move from looking to seeing. What, 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 what do you mean, Pastor Chris? Well, the Bible says the temple assistant looked at the man and then he passed on by. But the good Samaritan saw the man, felt compassion, and he, made, and he helped the man. I wonder, here's a question that came to me this week in prayer. I wonder truly, do, how many people do we look at every day but we don't see them? How many people do we look at, but we don't really see them? I mean, I see a, a sea of people right here in this room, a, a big group of people, you know, but, and when you walk out those doors and, and you go your, we go our separate ways, you're going you're gonna to look and you just observe people, but do you see people? Behind every person, there's a story. Not, not just Looking, have you ever, I was talking about rushing around trying to find your keys. Have you ever looked and you're rushing around to find something, keys, whatever it is, 
And uh, you look everywhere and you can't find it. Then you ask your spouse or one of your kids, have you seen my thing? And they say, it's right in front of you. And you're like, mm. and in that moment, it, I'm just telling you, like, how many for us, people are right in front of us, but we don't see them. We got to move from looking to seeing. I love this, Frederick, this quote from Frederick Beekner. Excuse me. He says, if we are truly to love our neighbors before doing anything else, we must see our neighbors. If we are truly to love our neighbors before doing anything else, we must see our neighbors. So number one, we gotta move from looking to seeing. Number two, we must move from hearing to listening. From hearing to listening. Now let me just say this, this can be very challenging for me. Can I get a witness of any brother in the room? Hello. How many times have you been watching TV or you're in the room, or you're reading, and your, your, your spouse, is, your wife is talking to you? Uh, I know it's not just guys, but a lot of times it is just guys. And your wife is talking to you, and she's like, hey, uh, do, do you, do you, are you listening to what I'm saying? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I heard you, I heard you. I've gotten in trouble many times for that through the years. I, I said yes to something because I wasn't really listening. I just heard her voice. Hearing, you're just, you're hearing me right now, but I would just say to you, are you listening? You can, you're just gonna hear noise, it just, it's, it's voluntary. But listening takes focus. Listening takes attention. Listening takes intentionality. And so we gotta be a people that move from hearing to listening. We hear people talking, but are we listening to their hearts? We hear people talking. You know, church, you know this, but we live in this society right now that everybody's doing a lot of talking and it seems like everybody's really angry and nobody's doing really any listening. I've thought about it. Besides the prayers of God's people, I feel like a lot of problems could be solved if it could be across the table from one another and just, I just need to shut up and listen. Listen to their story. Listen to their heart. I think some problems in our society could be solved by listening, really listening. James said, be, be quick to listen, slow to anger, slow to speak. We gotta move, somebody say move. If we really wanna be gospel neighbors, we gotta move from looking, just observing, to seeing. And we gotta move. I mean, we gotta move from just hearing noise to listening to people's hearts. You hear me quote a lot, Psalms 86. The psalmist says, bend down and listen like a father would listen to his child after a bad day at school. We have a father that truly will take time to listen to us. And the way God, I'll end it on this, the way God loves us, our heavenly father, our perfect father, the way he loves us, is the way he wants us to love this world. For God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. And now Jesus is in us and we are to be his hands and feet wherever we go. Amen? Amen, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your beautiful presence. Help us, God, just agree with me right now. Help us, Father 
follow your example. You are the ultimate good neighbor. Lord Jesus, would you break our hearts? If you're in agreement, this just pray with me. Would you break our hearts for the things that break yours? Would you help us see people the way you see people? Would you help us truly listen to the hearts of others? And I feel like I'm supposed to remind some people in the room today, you have a heavenly father who sees you and he listens to you and he truly hears the cries of your heart. Maybe you're here in this moment today, those who are watching online and those in this room today, maybe you're here and you know, you're just, you're away from God, far away from God maybe. But God has you here today. Of all days, he has you here today. It's no accident. And the Lord's saying, I see you. And I don't know what you've been told about God, but you have a God who loves you. And he's not gonna kick you to the curb because your life has been a mess. He never, he's not that kind of God. He embraces us. He receives us. And in his love, he melts our hearts and he changes our lives forever. And we become a new creation in his son, in Christ. And so maybe you're here today and you are away from God. I can't let this moment pass. If you're here today and you're away from God, but you're in this moment to say, you know what? I do feel seen. If by no one I see, I feel seen by you, Father. And, and I've made mistakes and I've been running my life my way. But today in this moment, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus and come back to him. If that's you, just in this room, every head's bowed, every eye's closed, just actually raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me, pray for me. Today, I wanna to come back to Jesus. All across this room, just wanna give this moment to say, yes, Lord, I'm saying yes to you today. Yeah, God sees your heart. You're lifting your hand, but God is seeing your heart. You're acknowledging, hey, that's me today. Today, anybody else in this moment, I wanna surrender my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, you're so good to us. Come on, from the front to the back, can we all pray this prayer? Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and for rising from the dead. You did it for me and I accept you now as my Lord and Savior. I repent of running my life my way. I surrender to you. Take the steering wheel of my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior and help me be all that you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. Can we thank the Lord right now? Thank you, Lord. Can we stand together? Listen, I do wanna say this for those that raise your hand. Our prayer team is gonna come forward in just a moment. But if you made a decision for the Lord and you lifted your hand, please take a moment and, and come up here right after we dismiss in just a minute and, and tell someone of your decision and let them pray over you. It's so beautiful. You need to tell someone and let them pray over you and pray with you to celebrate a decision. And if you're here again today and you've never been water baptized or maybe again, like the, like the girl in the video, the young lady in the video. You did it when you were real young and, and you didn't really understand, but now you do. 
We're ready for any spontaneous. We got people registered and ready to go, but also for people that you just, you didn't even register, it's okay. We got everything ready. You can go right out these doors in just a moment and we're gonna start baptizing people right here on the lawn. I do wanna say this as we get ready to close in prayer. If you're here today and you're like, I wanna move forward in God, but I don't know how. Can I tell you, we have an area, our one step area right over there. People, leaders and staff willing to converse with you, talk about where you're at and to help you move forward in this thing we call Christianity. We got so many beautiful things going on from forward, places for things, for ministry, for healing and wholeness. Take advantage of what God has blessed victory with to help all of us, all of us, somebody say all, all of us move forward in God, amen? Amen. Let me speak a blessing over us now as we get ready to go. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your people. Thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Be great gospel neighbors for all your people, not just the church people. Help us, Lord Jesus, be your hands and feet. Bless my friends as we celebrate baptism and then as everybody goes their separate way and they start their week, Bless them. I speak divine health over you. I speak divine favor over you. I speak divine blessings over you. And everywhere you go, you will shine and share the love of Jesus. And you will light up this dark world with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bring us back safe and sound together again. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. If you need prayer, we're here. God bless you. We'll see you outside.